0: Jim Shoemaker, Steve Anderson, Frank Lacarica, Tommy Armstrong, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.
1: Helping
2: you
3: make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Today, we are privileged to be a part of a program that's got a lot of information, and I can't wait to dive in. We're going to answer your questions about annuities. We're going to talk about estate planning. We're going to talk about... Really, the stock market and some basics and a lot of questions about that and how we understanding a bear market, a bull market, what's going on, and really settle in on inflation and recession. What's the difference? And really, do we need to be concerned about both? And that's always a concern that we're going to talk about. My guests today, three great guys, Steve Anderson, Scott Jordan, and Frank Lacarica. But I'm going to start with a guy that's on the phone because we're going to try to answer a question today and so I thought I would lead in on the expert. He's a certified financial planner and a public accountant, certified public accountant, a CPA. And so he's in the office, he was busy, but we got him. He's going to answer a question about real estate. Welcome to the program, Tommy Armstrong. Good morning, Jim. It's good to be here. Thank you, sir. You know, I think, Tommy, the question is, and it's a great question, if you're a real estate investor, a big real estate investor, or a little real estate investor, it doesn't seem to matter. And That's the key. It's just kind of like there are some advantages, some benefits that actually the tax code allows you to participate in as a real estate investor investor so would you describe a little bit of that for us as far as what does it mean if you're a real estate investor and maybe you don't have to pay any taxes
4: well the the irs tax code in its current form does does allow a real estate investor to to enjoy some favorable tax aspects as long as they're applied legally according to the code let me get that disclosure in but uh because of depreciation deductions, a a real estate investor can realize cash income and defer taxes until a later point when that property is sold. And then again, possibly enjoy further tax deferral through through a like kind exchange or favorable capital gains rates of long, you know, if you've held the property for a long term. And then finally, from a long term wealth accumulation standpoint, uh, a property that is held and then goes to a second generation through inheritance receives a step up in basis, which further defers the taxation of the growth in the value of that asset over time. So if you look at it from a long view, the tax code does lawfully allow for some current positive cash flow with tax deferral and then long-term wealth accumulation through the current uh, status of inheritance tax rules.
3: So when you think about it, and uh, guys, you can participate with this in a minute. I just want to remind you that I've got, uh, you know, Tommy's on the phone with us. Steve Anderson here, Scott Jordan, Frank Lakarica. But Tommy, when you talk about that, you said the word like-kind exchange but you're literally saying to us, "I want to talk about what that means." But you're really saying that if you're investing in real estate and you're doing this in a in a way that you're moving properties, in other words, you're not just buying one property, holding one property, and selling one property. You may have multiple uh, locations, multiple properties, large, small, refurbs that you're going out and refurbishing. Uh, all the you know, whether it's a, a hotel or apartment complex or a single family home that you're renting. All of that can be real estate that's profitable from a tax code standpoint where you might be able to uh, legally, you said, avoid taxes. But I want to hear what you said about like-kind exchange.
4: Well, Jim, what you just described was a a portfolio approach to handling multiple properties. And what a like-kind exchange does is it lets you sell one property and identify another property that you want to use to reinvest the proceeds from the first property. And again, over time, defer taxes while you continue to manipulate your portfolio. And certainly the three guys you've got on the phone, including you can speak to this uh, more eloquently than I can, but it's pretty simple. And the 1035 just allows you to move properties in the portfolio and lawfully defer taxation along the way over time.
2: Yeah, Tommy, uh, just to kind of make sure we we track along, just a couple simple numbers. So if, if, if I bought a $200,000 property and later sold it a few years later, say five years later, sold it for $300,000, and then I took that, you know, it's a $100,000 profit, if I took that $300,000 and bought a new property, what you're saying, if I'm understanding you correctly, is, is that that $100,000 gain just kind of gets buried in the next property. I don't have to recognize it now. Is that kind of the gist of the, the exchange rule?
4: That is exactly how it works. It, the, the The price appreciation or the gain in property number one is carried over to property number two and then would not be recognized as a taxable event until property number two was sold out, cashed out, liquidated from the portfolio, uh, if you will, of real estate.
2: That's great. And, and, and as just kind of a, a, a tack on to that exchange rule, one thing you always want to be careful with, we talk about this with clients all the time from a financial planning perspective, is don't make an investment decision for a tax reason. <laughs> That's a good point. Right? You, you only buy a good property because it's a good property, not because you get a tax break. So it's, uh, it's a good, good rule of thumb That's to keep good in mind. That's Tommy, it, thank it, you, sir.
3: It. Yeah, thank I'm sorry, gosh. but I appreciate you answering that question. We're going to move on to the next question we've got here. But I thank you for answering that one. And what you're literally saying is you can buy real estate, sell real estate, own real estate, make it a portfolio. It may not eliminate all your taxes, but it can uh, improve your tax status. And that's part of the advantage. And it's an incentive. It's really saying invest in real estate. That's what the tax code allows you to do. Thank you, Tommy. Appreciate you, man. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. You know, that's uh, we've got questions. We've got another question we're going to answer later on in the show at the latter part of the hour uh, talking about retiring and relocating. And the person that's asked the question is talking about relocating outside of the country. So we're going to prepare to work on that question later on too. But now the question that we're going to try to really hone in is one that we've received multiple times here recently. And Frank Lacarica is going to dive into this. And we're going to discuss really some, some of the basics, what you need to know about annuities. Frank, welcome to the program, sir.
5: Hey, Jim. Glad to be back.
3: Well, uh, you know, you do a great job for us. Now, the question is, I mean, when you think about it, here's what the guy literally said I'm thinking about buying an annuity. Mm-hmm. What do I need to know? Now that's a big question <laughs> how much time you got? <laughs> yeah right uh, how much time you got give us the you know kind of that 30,000 foot view and then we'll dive in these guys will help us get into it but what is it that I really need to know about an annuity
5: yeah with, with annuities there's a there's a couple things to consider uh, as far I mean the most important ones fit uh, if, if you're if you're trying you don't want to jam a square peg into a round hole. Um, and annuities can be powerful retirement tools when used correctly inside of, of a financial plan. And, and so, consult one number one consulting with your with your financial advisor to make sure it's a good fit is is a great place to start. But but other than that, uh, you know they can they can be used to create pension like income um, through various riders. Uh, you could use them to build assets for retirement. There's some there's some tax advantage status if used correctly. So there's 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 use for them, but understanding how they operate in certain situations is important.
3: So when you talk about it's this retirement-like income, that's mm-hmm. really where you're paying out of the annuity over a long period of time, is yeah.
5: That- uh, so it, you can create that kind of pension-like income in retirement. Every, everybody's heard of pensions, you know. Your you, your parents, you work for the same company for thirty-five years in exchange for you know thirty-five years of loyal service. You get a stream of income that lasts as long as you do, uh, and and annuities provide the same thing. Um, it's called annuitization, uh, and that's where you actually you're you're trading a lump sum uh, of 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 money for a stream of income that lasts your entire life
3: so it's going to you take that let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars you put it into the annuity you say I want to annuitize it. It's going to pay you out X number of dollars per month for your life
5: for as long as you live.
3: Now, what happens if you die? I mean, you die. Is your family going to get the rest of it? Or uh, when,
5: when when you annuitize, no. That's that 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 is it, it is the you're exchanging that money. That money's gone. You're handing it over to the insurance company, and in exchange for that lump sum of money, they're they're going to pay you for as long as you live.
3: Okay, so that's a critical mm-hmm. aspect of a pension-like income pension-like from like an annuity. Now what about riders? Cuz riders can change that type of way you're getting that money. So help me with that.
5: Yeah. yeah, so so there's 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 a there's a lot of types of riders out there, but two of the main ones um, are living benefit riders and death benefit riders. So living benefit riders work uh, look similarly to annuitization, but and this is a important but here. Okay. You get to maintain that principal value. So, they're going to pay you a stream of income for life, but you maintain control to a degree of your assets. So, if you pass away, like we talked about in that prior example, you're $100,000, there's a living benefit rider, they're paying you for as long as you live. You live 10 years, you've spent $40,000, you pass away. Your spouse would get the remaining benefit, and that you know, if it was it was sixty thousand dollars, then she would get sixty thousand um, dollars as a death benefit from the insurance from that company. insurance company. Okay, yep. Yeah. So, so that makes sense. It does. It does, and, and they're a lot more popular than straight annuitization riders sure. for obvious reasons. Um, and then then the second one, uh, the second main one, are death benefit riders, and that 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 kind of um, works really well with the living benefit rider, and that's where it says, hey. Um, depending on what type of rider it is highest anniversary or just a standard death return of premium death benefit you're either going to you're going to get your money back minus withdrawals or if it's a highest anniversary those are more uh, high water marks they but, but the, the thing to keep here is that you cannot lose money due to to, to just poor market performance well, I hear it's, it's, you. it's protected this, there
3: the person that asked the question was actually asking for their mom it was yep. their mom is thinking about buying and this is an elderly lady Oh, well, uh, she's in her 60s, I'd say, elderly. I mean, he's he's 35, 40. I'm not sure. But I understood the question. But I think it was something he said, what do I need to know? And I'm thinking that one of the main things that he, I told him kind of in the thought process that we'll do the show, but it was kind of like you need to understand that the financial strength of the insurance company that you're buying this from is critical. I mean, you've got to know that they're stable, that they they have the claims paying ability of that insurance company is strong. They can they can, you know, the guarantee that they may say that, you know, has no bearing on what you may be investing in, especially if it's in a variable investment performance. So you may say, well, it's guaranteed, but if you're vested in a variable investment program, that's not the same.
5: Right, the the income being guaranteed and the account value being guaranteed are two very different things. It's, It's a great way to think about annuities as kind of two buckets of money. You have a bucket of money that they're guaranteeing you for life, and then you have a bucket of money that's actually your money, and that moves up and down with the market.
2: Well, and, and to that end, one one of the things that people talk about when they talk about annuities all the time, and I know you guys have, have heard this, is people will say, well, I mean, I've heard annuities are expensive. Yeah. I mean, they charge these fees and all this. Well, here we are talking about an insurance company guaranteeing, based on their balance sheet, income for life. So your account goes to zero, you live to be 124, breaking records, Yeah, and they keep paying, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So- so, you know, it brings up a, a, something to really keep in mind when you're looking at annuities. Yes, they cost something. So it's okay to pay for something if you're going to use it. So I love what you said, Frank, about putting it in the context of a financial plan. Fees aren't bad no, if it, you're getting something for them.
5: Well, it, and it's, it's perfect in a situation where we're talking about. If if we're guaranteeing a stream of income for life, I I, I I say this tongue in cheek, like, what does it matter how much it costs? Well, <laughs> If, well, if it, it, it matters, but it's secondary to the consideration that you are receiving a stream of income for life. That's well, powerful. I think key
3: is that that's a great point, but you got to know about the charges yeah. and the expenses. Oh, yeah. They I mean, matter. Compare compare that with other companies. I mean, variable annuities have additional expenses. When you talk about a variable annuity, that's uh, mortality and expenses, expense risk, administrative charges, investment charges, sub-account all, charges. All, of the separate account, all those are fees. You just need to be sensitive to it and understand it. Now, if you're looking at a, an indexed annuity, they may have even additional expenses. So when you talk about, you said, I mean, I think it's great, Steve, they're expensive. You hear that, but just know what the fees are and compare. Now, if you're mm. going to look at the the company and say, what's the financial strength of the company? At the same time, say, what is the company charging me? I mean, bottom line is market fluctuation is real but knowing what you're buying and what you're paying for and keeping all that into perspective makes you a wise purchaser of something.
1: Yeah. And and I would add, I I think we're all kind of saying the same thing here, but you know, I I hear that a lot too. Like what Steve was just talking about, annuities are bad, they're expensive. and, And some of that may even be true to a certain extent, but where there's value, cost is not an issue. And I think I would go back to what Frank said about making sure this is part of a financial plan. It's like, what are we trying to accomplish? What are our goals and objectives? And does this tool, because it's just a tool in the toolbox. This is just a product that can help us accomplish those goals. Does it make sense? And if it makes sense, if I want some peace of mind, if I want some guarantees, there's a cost to that. So just understanding that. And part two, I would say just through this conversation, as you can see with all the different types and all the different costs and all the different considerations, when you go to purchase an annuity, it's a complex decision. And I think you need to seek some wise counsel on that to make you sure you truly you know, understand I, what you're I getting into. I appreciate
3: you saying that. And because it's not just finding somebody that only sells annuities, it's somebody who has a bigger understanding of the bigger picture. When you talk right. about a plan... But all the products that are available for someone that they're looking to do this, and not just one box that says right. this if, is all you do. If, if
5: you're if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail.
3: Yeah.
5: Um, <laughs> well, and, and, that's important. <laughs> and, and, and so, it, yeah, it's it's finding finding somebody who's 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 got an unbiased opinion about where where an annuity may or may not fit. Inside of a plan for you, and then you know the, there's 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 still there's investment benefits. So you got fixed annuities and variable annuities. and
3: Before you know. get to that, I want to I want to make sure we cover this because what you've talked about is it's really turning on the spigot when a person is, gets to that point in their life. Let's say they've accumulated a certain amount of dollars. Now they want that pension benefit. Mm which kind of says here's a fixed income that's going to come in for your lifetime or a period certain or to your family, whatever, that's going to come in. And that's kind of at peace of mind. The market's doing what it's doing now, and you think, well, I don't worry about it because I'm getting this X number of dollars going in problem i see with that sometimes is you know that inflation may eat that up and you have to be careful because it's not going up based on that it's a fixed it's a fixed uh, payment fixed payment but that's what people sometimes desperately need you talked about the riders you talked about a living benefit rider and a death benefit rider mm-hmm. excellent way of saying i pass some additional monies On to my heirs. Scott's going to talk about some estate planning things in a few minutes, but the reality is that's a part of the overall plan. It's not just all of a sudden it's gone. You've got a writer that's going to say, I'm going to give it some of it, some of it, to my ears and the, that's important.
5: The, the the powerful thing there is the stream of income and it was to to, to Steve's point, uh, you know, the the the, the mar- market's not behaving right now. Um and the people who have, you know, those those basic needs covered through social security, through pensions, through annuity income, they're a lot less worried about what the market's doing right now than people who are depending on that.
3: But I think it's important to let everybody know too the accumulation factor in an annuity may be tax sheltered. It could be. But when you turn that stream of income on, it's taxed as ordinary income Mm -hmm. when it's distributed. And if it's needed before 59 and a half, you may have to pay a federal tax penalty. You need to be aware of that. That needs to be something that you got in that back to that planning, Scott, what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. That is part of the toolbox. But knowing that, you know, that's critical. And some people say, well, I'm going to put an annuity into my IRA. Well, then the benefit... Kind of, of that, lose the tax benefit you there. You lose the tax
1: benefit with that. That's not a good thing. So it's knowing when to use it and how to use it. Well, I agree. We can say that's not a good thing from a tax standpoint. But again, if you're if you're wanting some of the guarantees that that contract may provide, it may make all the sense in the world to use IRA money to buy that. So, I, I think what we're all saying here is it, it's not a cut and dry annuity good, annuity bad. It's hey, let's look at the plan and what we're trying to accomplish, and let's look at all the tools out there at our disposal and let's put a plan together that makes sense based on your unique situation
3: i think that's critical i mean i think that the way you said that the thought about qualified distributions i mean whether it's from your ira even if it's a roth ira they're they're usually generally excluded from gross income but taxes in a penalties could, you know, make this thing, you know, non-qualified distributions and make them taxable. So you need to be thinking that and not just buying something because somebody said, this is what you need. So I hope we've answered the question. The question, you know, and and I think it's a great question. I'm thinking about, or my mom was thinking about buying an annuity, someone's selling her annuity. What do I need to know And I hope we've kind of talked about that. I mean, subaccounts on annuities, they're subject to market fluctuation like anybody else. That's that variable annuity that you're throwing into the market. So if you're trying to have a guaranteed income, you got to understand subaccounts like the market fluctuation. They could, you know, you got the risk of loss of principal. You have to know that. You just can't jump out and just say, okay, I got an annuity, and you don't really realize what you bought. That's so important. Anything else that you got from that, you know, Frank? No, I, I think, you know, Scott Scott, and
5: Steve kind of hit, we're all starting to say the same thing. Uh, they're, they're powerful tools when used correctly. Um, when used incorrectly, not so much.
3: Great point. And I think the key is, guys, that you're talking about using in the toolbox, Making a part of your plan. We always say this when you're making this type of financial decision. Seek the advice of a professional, someone who understands the product and can explain it to you. If they can't explain it to you, probably ought to look around and look somebody else.
5: Preferably someone who sells
3: more than just, just annuities. annuities. I agree with that 100%. Well, coming up, we're going to go back into asking some additional questions. we got one more question we're going to deal with coming up when we get back after the break. And we're going to talk about literally the stock market basics, some fundamentals that you need to know and estate planning, why it is important. I thank you so much for listening. And I want to remind you that you can find our show, the Apple podcast or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. It's always appreciated. We'll be right back right after this. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
0: This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index.
1: Helping
3: you make the most of your money. Talk money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.
5: Annuities can be sold with riders. Optional enhancements that are available on your annuity contract at an additional cost. Be sure and talk to a licensed financial professional to learn more about your options
0: financial professionals do not provide specific tax or legal advice and this information should not be considered as such you should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation
2: helping you make the most of your money it's time for talk money now your host jim shoemaker
3: Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. I want to say how much we appreciate you listening and just want you to know that we're for you and we're hoping we're giving you information such as, as we talked about earlier, the real estate question and the question about annuities. And you can always ask us a question. Just simply send it to TalkMoney at ShoemakerFinancial.com. That's TalkMoney at ShoemakerFinancial.com. And we promise we will get that question, your question, on the air. And here's a question from a young man that says... All right, I'm considering moving to Thailand or to the Philippines for retirement. Now, that's that's a big statement, he says. Um, and I'm thinking of a place that I could live, maybe for you know, in three years. That's what he wants to do. He just wondering what's the best advice in making this move. And guys, I'm just going to throw it out to you. I thought, man, that's a big, huge move to to a foreign country. I just simply said, visit the country many times would be my first and foremost. That's the biggie for me because I know so many people that have relocated when they've gotten to that point of retirement and said, hey, I'm going to move, and they get down to where they thought was going to be the great place, and they go, oh, no, two years later, they're moving back to their hometown.
2: Yeah, and I would add to that, uh, leverage the tools that we have available. Get get on Airbnb or Verbo or something. Go stay a month somewhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, because, like, I've got clients that have moved to Charleston, um, Charlotte in the last couple of years, retired and gone. And that's what that's what I told them. Just go get a Airbnb or a Verbo. Go go try it out for a month. See the different areas and kind of test it out before before, before you, you sell yeah. everything. Now this guy may have familiarity with the with the areas, but uh, but that would definitely be something I'd think about.
1: I think that's such good advice because, you know, and, and I think, you know, especially if you visited somewhere on a on a week vacation and you think, man, this is this the best great. place I've ever been. You know, and you get down there during the off season when there's <laughs> nobody around and you're like, okay, this is, but you're also, you're leaving your, you know, possibly leaving your family, your social networks, maybe your church. So that's a big step uh, to to move somewhere like that. And I think that's good advice to go visit there and stay for maybe an extended period of time just to see how you like, especially if you're going all the way to the Philippines. That's a big move. Wow. Well,
5: Life looks a lot different when you're not the tourist. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: Everyone's there. Right. I enjoyed the walk
5: on the beach. all well, well, these people. Well, the
3: mosquitoes, whether you're there in the spring or small, when they're here in the heat of the, the th- summer, they're like eagles.
5: You get the Philippines <laughs> the land, and whatever. Costa Rica. Hey, make sure you you speak the language. Yeah, um, language Yeah, that's, that's ears, a good uh, one, too. Yeah,
2: yeah, and we've got clients that have moved um, with a local employer here, like to uh, the Netherlands. And one of the things we always talk to them about is uh, get with a CPA who actually does international taxes. It it doesn't, it's that, that may sound like, oh, it's going to be super expensive. No, just you can go visit with a CPA and say, here's what I'm thinking about going. Just get some, a sense of going in with your eyes open because things are going to be different. So you just want to kind of have a sense of what that is going to be.
3: Well, I hope we're helping him with his, he says best advice in making this move. I have a client actually that moved to the Philippines. And so You know, we could talk to this person about talking with him. I know the biggest thing that he had to deal with was the culture. And Mm. his wife is is from the Philippines, so he felt like he had an understanding, but he had always been the visitor. And now he's the resident or, you know, the foreigner. And uh, it's it's a little change for him. And he admits to me that, you know, he said there were some things I didn't expect, And uh, that I've had to learn. And he mentioned the fact that he understands some health needs that uh, he had already. He's a retired executive from one of the big companies here in the city. And he said, I knew I had some family needs, but health needs, but he said, I thought I'd be okay. He said, I'm just having to realize that I'm not speaking the language as well as I would like to, and the communication sometimes can be difficult, even though his wife's very, very capable of both languages. So it's it's just different. And then he, you know, the thought about it was, here's my suggestion know the cost of moving back <laughs> yes <laughs> yes just in case you get there and a 90 to two years later you say ah, maybe i don't like this here that's a thought
1: you know as you were talking i was thinking you know if, if you have things like possibly long-term care insurance and things like that you need to check all that kind of stuff and see what mm-hmm. kind of coverage you would have internationally with things like that because you know you mentioned health care and that kind of popped into my mind because a lot of people have those types of of vehicles or products, but the coverage, if you're international, is not not near the same or not available at all. So it's good to look at all the different insurances that you have and and other benefits to make sure those are going to work out where you're going.
3: That's a great point. Well, let's talk about estate planning. I hope we've answered his question. Again, visit many times before you move. Consider health care. Is your family supportive? and uh, know the language as much as you can, and what's the cost in case you change your mind. But, Scott, let me lean in with you. We're talking about estate planning, some basics. And I know everybody needs to understand this, that we're not here giving you legal advice or trying to be, you know, your accountants or anything like that. We're just simply trying to give you the advice from a financial planning professional who's working with clients every day. And we talk about the need for estate planning. So let me ask you this, Scott, who needs estate planning?
1: Well, the short answer is everyone. So, you know, we're all going to die at some point. Uh, I believe that's biblical. I believe it is. You're appointed once to die. That may be news (laughs) to some, but last time I checked, the mortality rate was still 100%. 100%. (laughs) So we're all going to die, probably at a time we don't expect, and somebody is going to get our stuff or our mess that we leave behind. So I would say everybody, a lot of people think it's just for wealthy people when you use that terminology, especially estate planning. It sounds like I have all this huge amount of wealth that I need to plan, but everybody needs to have a plan. Now, everybody actually does have a plan. It's either by design or by default. Uh, You either create a plan or the state in which you reside will usually decide how your assets are distributed. And that may not line up with how you wanted that to go. So so everyone, what are some of the basic
3: estate planning documents when you say everyone needs it what would what would you include that if i had to go out and put together the word estate plan sounds awesome or or kind of big to everybody and i guess the the uh, you know kind of almost like wow you know and you kind of back off but what are some things that you would say when you're talking to someone here's
1: some of the fundamentals I would say most people need to have a will, uh, a durable power of attorney, which we can dig a little deeper into, both for financial and health care. Uh, usually a living will where you're kind of telling your wishes of how you'd want your health to be treated. That's helpful to have as well. But I think the will and those power of attorneys and, and the uh, the living will are a good base setup for most people.
3: What would you talk about power of attorney? Um, are you talking about for financial reasons for somebody to, to be able to perform your financial duties in the case you can't? Now that's prior to death though. That's not, that a, is. that's that not is. last that's, will and testament. That is
1: uh now it is prior to death, but it does carry over into incapacity. So that gives somebody the legal right to basically conduct business or financial matters on your behalf. They're a fiduciary to you. So they're acting on your behalf. And like I said, that does, that does carry over into incapacity as well. And I think one of the big misconceptions that I see the most is somebody will assume, well, because it's my wife or because of my husband, I can easily step in there and handle anything for them. And that's not the case. Now, on jointly held property, sure, maybe. But if it's a property or an an investment that's individually owned, uh, just being a spouse does not give you the right to step in and manage that.
3: I know, guys, we talk about transfer on death. When we look at somebody's Mm -hmm. portfolio and we're managing an account, The TOD, we'd refer to that. And it's amazing that sometimes we have a lot of people that are coming in to see us for the first time, and we're looking at a sizable amount of money, and there's no beneficiary, no TOD, and the will doesn't even address it. We see that more often than we would like. What would you say to that? How do you address that?
1: Well, let me back up first. So, you know, when, when, when property passes, it usually passes either by will, by contract, or by operational law. By will, that's what you name in your will, how you want your property to to pass, and that's usually for individually owned assets that don't have a beneficiary designation or a TOD. And then you have by contract, that's where, you're, you know, like on your retirement plans at work or even on bank accounts and investment accounts where you can add a TOD or a transfer on death those pass by operation of that contract and not through the will. So you want to make sure all those lined up, you know, the, that all those line up with how you're wanting everything to pass. And then also by operational law, that's how property is titled, whether it's, you know, joint with rights of survivorship, and then that just passes automatically outside the will as well.
3: Scott, but the reality is I want to make a change. Uh, you know, my uh, I name, and we see this a lot. I, I have my you know, not me, uh, don't want my wife to hear this conversation. But my <laughs> supposedly, I'm talking about John out here that has an ex-wife. I read about this guy. Or, or Mary that has an ex-husband. You know, right. Uh, the reality is they haven't changed uh, that document. The beneficiary is still Mary on John's insurance policy. What happens if John dies and that's the case and they haven't been married for 10 years?
1: Well, that's a big deal. So that's one of the reasons I think you know we we always say estate planning is a process. It's not an event. So it's something that needs to be revisited year in and year out to make sure that everything is still like you want it because things change. Life happens. uh, Whether it's through divorce, maybe a new child is born. You want to make sure that your current documents are lined up and that all your beneficiaries and everything all agrees with all those documents that you've set up.
2: And just to say exactly what you're saying, almost in the inverse, I've I've had. I've had conversations where someone says, oh, yeah, well, I've got a will and and I'll look at the the portfolio of assets they have and everything. And then they've got like a 401k and an IRA, a life insurance policy, a home and a couple cars. Right. And, you know, I'll tell them, hey, look, I'm I'm looking at your will and your will says I want to leave everything to these people and your beneficiary says i want to leave everything over here and they don't agree and right. they don't agree right you if if you if mickey mouse is the beneficiary of your 401k and your will says i want this to go to you know Donald the U- memphis union mission <laughs> yeah the 401k is not going to memphis union mission i mean it's just not so the ben- you you've got to make sure there's alignment
3: you know and the sad part about that is and i want everybody to understand that you know you should always consult your tax and legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and legal Situation, But what we're talking about is sometimes we will have a client come in with what you're saying, Steve, that you look at it and you go, you know what? What happened here was an excellent attorney wrote an excellent will and said, be sure to change your beneficiaries. They went home, said, hey, we got to change our beneficiaries, got busy, put it in the closet or put it in the drawer under the box where everything's supposed to be and forgot to do that. And that's when we uncover the problem. And that's an issue. Yeah, and that's what you,
2: exactly what Scott said. It's a process. I mean, it literally is an ongoing thing.
5: Well, and estate planning isn't for you. It's for your next kin. Um, they're the ones they're going to be picking up the pieces. They're the ones who are, you know, going to be dealing with assets moving different places while they're all, they're also trying to grasp, you know, come to terms with the fact that a loved one's no longer there. It's not the. It's not for you. It's 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 for your kids. It's for your your next of kin. It's it's it's, it's a keeping selfless
3: them out. from talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Two days what afterwards, you know that's yeah. the problem. I mean, they want to they want to say, oh, this is so well. Dad did a good job of laying this out. We know exactly what to do. You know, you don't want them fighting over the little porcelain uh, angel that you right. had that was heirloom from great grandmother. <laughs> Put a little sticker on the bottom and says "This goes to Mary." You know, I mean, yep. that's, that's It doesn't have to be directed by the will, but if you just help them understand, this is what my wishes are.
1: Yeah, and and you're kind of saying the point I was I was going to make. You and I have sat down with a lot of people to help you know settle estates, and it's in a very emotional time. It is, and, and yeah. for the survivors, for the family. And my goodness, if it's if it's not done correctly, it just can create so much distress and tension in the family, and, and a lot of that could have been prevented just with a, a little bit of planning on the front end, and, and clearly stating how you wanted things to go and also at at the right time communicating that to the family so there's no surprises. You
3: know you talk about that one of the textbooks that I had to go through when I was getting one of my designations and it was it was a law book and the book was so well written and it was titled The Human Drama in Death and Dying. Wow. And I mean (laughs) it just gave case after case after case and it literally was human drama in death and dying, and I mean, it's uh, it is what we have to deal with. So I, I think it's important that what we're saying to people is, and I appreciate what you said. It's not an event; you don't go out and do it one time, put it in a closet, and forget about it. It has to be a constant thing. Steve, you mentioned during the break, and and I think it's important to because we talk about helping people get all their passwords all their documents everything get it into a place where your family can go and find it and passwords is becoming a bigger bigger event something that you've just discovered or recently you were talking to clients about
2: yeah it's it's important to know that at least from a legal perspective again i'm not an attorney but from from my understanding if i were to pass away and i left my wife a list of all my you know usernames and passwords you would think that you just, just almost intuitively, you'd think that her logging in and making sure to kind of clean everything up and close accounts and all that would be fine. Uh, but that's actually illegal in, in, in the truest sense that using my password to go into my account if you're not me is not legal. So, um, another document that's become really important is a digital power of attorney or a digital will that simply says, I am giving this power. To my spouse or to my kids or whatever so that they can legally use that information um and 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 access and and close accounts and clean things up on your behalf
3: you know and the reality is it's not like they're going to get their hands slapped real real hard but it could end up having to go to court yeah to, to go and petition the court to act on your behalf now that you're deceased and that is just time consuming it creates an enormous amount of stress and the reality is if this would prevent that from happening that's something that you need to do. Anything else that you feel is important, Scott, before I move or or either one of you guys? Well, I, mean-
1: I would say, you know, in, in that will, uh, you know, when you're naming that power of attorney and, you know, if you have a situation that involves a trust, you're going to be naming a fiduciary to act on your behalf, whether it's the executor or personal representative that's going to sell your estate or that person that's going to have that power of attorney. Just make sure that you're putting some thought into that and that that person has the knowledge, the know-how, the competency, and the time to deal with all that. Because it is a lot of work and, and it is something that you need somebody that has at least a good understanding or knows where to go get the right advice do you tell them do you tell the person that you're doing this should they know this i I think so in most (laughs) cases now there may be some cases where you know especially on the power of attorney front because that's a lot of power to give somebody where you you may not you may hold that back for a little while especially if they're a successor power of attorney and they're down the line you know a lot of times you see a husband and wife name each other and then maybe one of the children or two of the children you know would take over in the event that neither one of them can do it but that's that's something that i think you sit down and talk about and the timing of that can be important of, of when those people know those kinds of things. You know, we like to hold at some point when the, when they're ready, family meetings so that everybody's on the same page and understands everything. I think communication is critical. Yeah, and it kind of, you know,
2: we, when we were talking about annuities, we talked about the fee, right? And, and sometimes people are incredibly fee sensitive. I, I don't want to pay a fee. Well, if you're getting something for it, then maybe it's valuable. With estate planning, it can be true as well. We, I'll see people that just want to go online and create the cheapest will or whatever. The great value for most people that a qualified estate planning attorney can bring is just asking good questions. And you say, and J- Jimmy may say, well, I want to leave the money to this. Well, he you know, he or she sitting across the table might say, "Now that sounds like a good idea. But let me tell you about these three cases where somebody did that and it, it, it didn't go the way you're thinking because the rule of law and your intentions, I mean, th- those two things are not always aligned. So that's that's the real value a lot of times in sitting down with a qualified professional.
3: I think that's a great statement, Steve. I think it's important for everybody to know, because always we're going to say this to you at any time. You should always consult your tax and legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and legal you know situation. And that's where we stand. We're here to guide and help. But at the end of the day, finding that good attorney, and we might recommend someone, but the reality is knowing someone that can really come alongside and help you in a situation. Because you can't avoid that stress and anxiety later on in, in life for the for the heirs. Steve, I want to kind of change subjects a little bit because I think we've hit... Great subjects. We've answered some questions today and remind everybody if you've got a question for us, talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. Send us the question. We will get it on the air. But in the remaining time, two big things are going on right now that everybody's talking about, and I need you, Steve, to dive in, help everybody understand it. It's just the basics of investing, and it's inflation and recession. Both are not good, but is one better than the other? Or, or <laughs> can I say worse than the other? What would you say? Yeah, well, there's probably a little more
2: of a causality uh, effect between the two. Causality. Yeah, that's a wow. good word. That's a good word. I don't word. even know if that's a word, actually. <laughs> but, but it sounded good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell my daughter all the time, it's not about using good words, it's about communicating. So <laughs> you if you got, got what I'm you saying. You got exactly
3: yeah. what you're saying.
2: So typically, what will happen is you'll see inflation start to pick up, the Federal Reserve, which we talk about this, the Federal Reserve start raising rates. And the track record when the Federal Reserve starts raising rates is that they typically raise rates far enough that they slow the economy down. And when you raise rates, it takes 6, 8, 12 months for that impact raising rates to slow the economy down so it operates with a lag. And so the Fed's raising rates, trying to slow inflation. And then we run into recession. And so the Fed, a lot of times, tends to be you know, they start moving and then recession starts coming. So a lot of times it's more causal between inflation and recession. I don't know that one's worse necessarily than the other. I think long-term high levels of of inflation, certainly bad. You can think of a place like Venezuela. I mean, a great example. I mean, they're not even worried about recession. They just have no money right. because it's it's basically evaporating because of just ridiculous uh, levels of inflation.
3: Well, you remember inflation actually during Germany, you, you know, prior to World War II, they were running their their currency was out in wheelbarrows. They were using it to light fires. It was worthless because inflation. they you'd go into a store, they had a little ticker that would go in and say oh, the day of the the market, the door, market was worth this. And you go back to buy meat, you came out, whoops, it went up. And so it's just moving that fast. So inflation can be crippling to anybody's economy and especially to ours. So if you're buying a stock, okay, which do I need to be sensitive to inflation or recession or both? Because if I'm in the market, which we are, do I need to fear one or the other? Or are they just part of the problem? Well,
2: you know, if you're going to invest money over long periods of time, you're going to experience both in all likelihood. I, the, I think it's important to think through, if you think of inflation, if there were no inflation, everybody could just put the money in a, you know, in a, under their pillow and just leave it there until the day they need it. What inflation does that's positive for the economy is it creates the need, it necessitates money moving around. So it, when there's a little bit of inflation, just enough, it means you need to take the money and not put it under your pillow, but put it in a bank account where the bank can pay you an interest, you know, some interest. I remember when that used to happen. And and so you put it in the bank and then the bank turns around, they lend the money out to a business and, 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 and you know, they judge who's good, who's a good risk, who's a bad risk. They lend it out and those businesses create products and services. And that's what makes a capitalistic economy like the U.S. go. And so inflation, a little bit, moves money around and and creates economic activity. So some inflation's good, but when it's 8%, 10%, it be, it becomes crippling. And so every, all of us are experiencing this now, and we go to the pump, we go to the you know, grocery oh, store, yeah, it's, absolutely. it's tough.
3: Yeah, let me ask you this in just a few minutes here. We've yeah. just a minute left. And this, What do you see in the next 6 to 12 months? What would you want somebody listening to know? We're for them. What would you say?
2: Yeah, so there are – when you hear the word recession – you know the reality is that uh, there's a group, and I forget the group, there's an economic board, they decide who when there was actually a recession. But most of us, when we hear the word recession, what we're talking about is a twenty percent drop in the market. Well, we've had that, right? So so we've experienced that. What we really don't want is raging high levels of unemployment, raging high levels of inflation. That creates a recession that's much more like two thousand and eight but I don't hear many or really any economists right now predicting that we're anything in that kind of an
3: environment. So reality is not great, but not terrible. Right. I, I would say kind of neutral, sitting like on the it. fence. I like it. Well, guys, thank you so much. Great topic today. Great subject. Great participation by all of you. I want to thank these guys, Steve Anderson, Frank Lacarica, Scott Jordan, and Tommy Armstrong. If you'd like to talk to any one of these guys, 901 757 57 Five, seven. You can reach out, reach out to them, asking them a question. Feel free to do that. You can also find our show, Talk Money, with Jim Shoemaker. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe. And we would like for you to leave us a review. It's always much appreciated. We thank you for doing that. Next week, my guest, Greg Valliere, he is going to talk about the Washington update. And politics and the economy. Boy, you do not want to miss him. He's great. Michael Powell will be here talking about savvy strategies using your health savings accounts, your HSA. And Drew Johnson will be back talking about cryptocurrency and gold. <laughs> what a subject. That's Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 12 noon. If you have questions, don't hesitate. Send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thank you so much for listening. We are for you helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk
0: Money. Jim Shoemaker, Steve Anderson, Frank Lacarica, Tommy Armstrong, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated
3: helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.